Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. It's great to be back with you after being out last week. Um, Always miss being here. So grateful for Phil Bixby filling in. Phil filling in. That's good, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, you see what I saw I did there, didn't you? Um, Great blessing to me, and uh, it's great to be back with our church family. Um, Julie and I got to be with our families, I shared earlier, and that was amazing. Uh, But to be with you is so precious. I hope that you have that sense. And if you're not really connected, I want to encourage you to get connected. Volunteer, be a part of of a life group is really the next thing for you. Know people that can walk this journey with you. Well, today I begin a new series called Sent. You see, Jesus Christ is sending us out. He has sent us out as ambassadors. And then the the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the ways that he sends and how he sends and what our role is and what are some of the things we're going to encounter. It's important to recognize that Jesus didn't just come to earth to bless us with salvation. Oh, that's huge. But he came came to earth to include us in his mission to cause us to be his mission, to take on his mission, to expand his mission. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be sent. How am I sent? Where am I going? What are the things I'm going to encounter? What are the challenges? And we're going to talk about how Jesus is with us as we are sent. Well, as I mentioned earlier on Wednesday, I got in an airplane and flew to the Abaco Islands to a place called Treasure Key. And I hadn't flown in a private plane for a long time, a small, single-engine plane that holds about six people. And for us, we, we took about 1,000 pounds of cargo and, and the pilot and I. But I don't know about you, I surprised myself a little bit that I was a little apprehensive. Just a little. Now, that my pilot, my, his, my good friend I've known for 20-plus years, Kevin Mahoney, he is a faithful, godly pastor, and, and he's a great pilot. He's so good that he trains other people how to fly. He's IFR rated. He's, he's a great pilot, and it's a nice new plane. But there's something about being able to see the guy doing all the stuff, you know? It's not like getting on an airliner where you get on the plane and he's behind a door and you can't go in there unless under, under they shoot you if you get close to that door. You know, don't form a line up next to the door, right? Um, and, and you go in the, the big airliners, you're like, I don't even know what's going on up there. I don't want to know. You know. The pilot gets on the, on the thing and you don't listen, do you, right? So oh, we're going to make cruising up to about 30,000 feet and we're going to make a left turn to Fort Lauderdale. You know, nobody listens to that. We don't want to know. Just get us on the plane and it's like getting on an elevator almost, right? Just land where we're going to land. It's going to be great. But to sit next to the guy who's doing everything, and it's just him, I'm thinking if he croaks, we're dead. <laughs> I don't know, is that old age, you think? I'm thinking if he, if he doesn't fly this plane right, we have no chance. We get in the plane. We head down the runway. Imagine if I would have said to him, now, Kevin, thank you for providing this plane, and thank you for being here, but I'm going to take over now. I'm going to take over because I've got this thing in front of me and some pedals on the floor. Apparently, that's what you do. I don't really know how to fly a plane. But imagine if I'd have said to Kevin, you know what? I don't need you now. You've given me the power 
You've given me the means and the plane, but I'm going to depend on me now. You see, what we're going to see in our passage today, as we're sent by Jesus, we are dependent on Jesus. I was, when I got on that plane, I was totally dependent upon Kevin and his airplane to get 150 miles to Treasure Key, Bahamas, over the ocean. Now, I could have run down that runway, flapping my wings all I wanted to, but I was not going to get off the ground. I could have got in that plane, and I might have been able to get it off the ground, but I'm pretty sure I would not have been able to land successfully, right? I want us to see as we're sent by Jesus, we're empowered by Jesus, and we're dependent upon Jesus. And let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing because we were able to go to the Bahamas and bless some people. We were able to bring them some things that they desperately needed. But I got to tell you, as we walked around the island and as we toured homes and we saw these shattered, shattered homes and people with really very little, I felt like, man, it's not enough. I wish I could do more. I wish there was more I could, I could do but there was only a limit, and we could only do what we could do, and we had to fly back that afternoon. But listen, wouldn't you like, though, to bless people permanently? To do something that makes a permanent difference in their lives, to do something that even makes an eternal difference in their life. See, that's what Jesus has sent us to do. And just like we went on that airplane to the Bahamas to bless people, he has given us his power and made us dependent upon him so that we can bless people permanently and eternally. That's what we're going to see today. Look with me at Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospel accounts of Jesus, the story of his life and ministry on earth. And Mark is one of the shortest, simplest, and most straightforward uh, gospel accounts. And we're working our way through the book of Mark Read with me verses 7 through 13, and we'll go back and talk about it. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out, and they proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the beginning of God involving people in his ministry. Up until now, Jesus had done it all. They had followed him. They had watched him. They had listened to him. But now Jesus is saying, hey, it's your turn. It's your turn to get involved and to actually do what I've been doing. See, this is the difference between just teaching and actually training people, right? It's one thing to hear about how to do something, but now they're about to actually do it themselves. It's an incredible move that Jesus is making. 
The crowds have gotten so big, he can't touch everybody. The opportunities are so big, he can't do it all himself as a human. And so he is investing in his followers. He's investing in 12 guys. Honestly, these are not the sharpest guys. They're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. These these are not the, the most educated people. These are not the most worthy people. As a matter of fact, they have no worthiness at all except for that Jesus chose them. And he sent them. The disciples are not superheroes. They're regular people, like many of you. Just regular people that Jesus called and sent. See, this is the precursor to Jesus ultimately sending his disciples out when he he ascends. And he's saying to them, I'm calling you and I'm sending you, even though you're just a bunch of regular guys, fishermen, business people, a really crooked business people, probably a terrorist. That's who they were. Jesus says, I'm sending you out. Verse 7, let's look at that again. It says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He calls his disciples, and he sends them out. It's like calling your kids. Hey, come in. Here's what I want you to do. Now go do it. And he sends them out, and watch what he, how he sends them. He gives them authority over the unclean spirits. It's interesting. Jesus could have given them any superhero power, right? He could have said to them, listen, you're going to be able to fly. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be invisible. Or maybe you're going to walk on water, calm the storm, feed the thousand. No, he didn't say any of that. It's really interesting how Jesus empowers them. He doesn't just send them out to do what they can do. He doesn't just send them out to use their ability. He says, I want you to go out and I'm giving you authority over evil spirits. It's kind of curious that that would be the thing he would tell them to do. But here's what he's saying. Remember the message of Jesus. And you have to remember the message of Jesus throughout Mark because this is what he's wanting to proclaim. Mark 1.15. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. My kingdom. Understand this. This is my authority, my, my rulership, if you will, my, my ability to take over things, to conquer. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel or the good news of God. Here's what he's saying. My kingdom is beginning. Disciples, you now have authority to defeat evil because you're a part of the kingdom. Really interesting. You see, evil is the issue. Evil is the problem. The problem is not primarily hurricanes. The problem is not primarily disease. It's not primarily hunger. The problem is evil. Jesus says, I'm sending you out to defeat evil. That's what I want you to keep in mind. We live in a place and in an age and in a country and a culture where there are thousands of worthy causes. Amen? There are so many people trying to help the unfortunate, help the weak, help people who are struggling. And that's great. But that's not the primary problem. The primary problem is evil. Jesus says, I'm sending you out with the power to overcome evil. Evil, as you share my message, 
We saw down in verse 12 that, in fact, how did they go about it? They proclaimed this message of repentance and the kingdom. They did what Jesus did. So get this. Here's the message. Disciples, I'm sending you out. I want you to proclaim my message of repentance and the kingdom is here. I want you to defeat evil. I'm sending you with my power to do that. The power of Jesus. He's giving some of his power to humans. Think about that. If you're called by Jesus, and we'll talk about this at the end, you can have the power of Jesus, the holy power of Jesus, divine power to defeat evil. Imagine what that conversation must have been like with Peter, James, and John and the others. So what now? You're going to give us power? We're going to do what you did? Us? Can we really do that? We're just humans. And so are we. Jesus blesses them with his power to defeat evil. You see, with his power, we have the ability to share his message. Not our human ability. Not our good looks, our great personalities, our influence, but with the power of Jesus Christ. Because know this, that the message of Jesus is offensive to some. Without the power of Jesus sending us, evil gets in the way all the time. So I want to go with the power of Jesus. He empowers humans with his power to defeat evil. So he sends his people out. He sends them out empowered. But he also sends them out dependent. Look at verse 8 and following. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he told them, uh, whoever, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. So here's what we're saying. I want you to to go somewhere, and I want you to reach people, but I don't want you to bring your wallet. I don't go anywhere without my wallet. Do you? No cash, no Visa card, no granola bars, no lunch you brought, no gift card for Chick-fil-A. None of that stuff. No hotel reservation. I want you to go out in that way. I, I don't want you to bring anything. He told no bread right? No bag, which was either a bag to carry stuff in like over your shoulder or a bag to beg with, which was one of the the two uses that you would use it for. I want you to go without um, without any money in your belt. I want you to go and just wear normal shoes, sandals, and don't wear two tunics. And you may say, what does that mean? Is that like, you know, the layered look? What is that? No shirt and no blazer? What is that? Here's what a, a tunic was. Yeah, they would wear normally a tunic, and they would wear one over it as either an overcoat. It would work like that. Or you could also use it as often like a blanket if you slept uh, for overnight. And here's what he's saying. You're going to have to find your provisions in the places I'm sending you. I'm going to provide that for you. He's saying, I want you to go dependent upon me to provide for your physical needs. Let me ask you, are you dependent on Jesus? 
for what you have? Are you dependent upon him? It's interesting that as a church, we function totally dependent on what God provides through giving. We can't really do much unless people give. I want to ask you, but in your life, are you living in such a way that you're depending on God to provide for your needs? Or are you pretty much able to provide for everything you have? Some people ask sometimes, well, you know, how come God blesses these nasty people with lots of money? And they give them all, he gives them all kinds of money and they're just terrible people. Why does he do that? You know what? Independence from God is the worst place you can be. Right? To not need God to provide for you, that's the worst place. You, the best place you can be is incredibly dependent upon him. So I want to ask you today, when you give... Are you giving to the point where you need God to come through for you? Are you pretty much just giving what's left over? I want to be challenging us in the coming days to move beyond comfortable giving, to move to the place where we're dependent on God, to move to the places of ministry where we are doing things that we're not sure we can afford, quite honestly. God, we need you to provide if we're going to reach this community, if we're going to be faithful to share God's message throughout the world, where's your giving today? Are you giving in a way that you're dependent upon God to come through for your physical needs? Or are you just giving what you can afford? You see, dependence and power are linked. Dependence and power are linked. Are linked. If I had walked up to the airplane and I had this power available to me, but I refused to get in the plane, there's no dependence and I don't enjoy the power. Is there power in your life today? Could it be that you're not experiencing much power from God because there's really no dependence on Him? It's an interesting question. It's an uncomfortable question at times. But if we trust him, if we believe him, like the disciples had to, we're saying, Jesus, I'm going to be dependent upon you, and I'm going to trust in your power for what you're going to do. And then he goes on, and he, they had just seen rejection in Nazareth. They had just witnessed his own hometown rejecting him, and Jesus saying, I, I'm not going to do miracles here because there's no belief. Remember, belief is our connection to God doing amazing things. And he says to them, there's some will reject you. Verse 11 says this, And if any place will not receive you and will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. Here's what he's saying. Listen, if someone won't receive you, and it was common in those days when a stranger came into the village to be taken in by somebody. It was a normal Middle Eastern hospitality that they would do. And what he's saying is if you come into a village and people won't meet your needs... If they refuse to receive you into their home and care for you, if they refuse to listen to you, then I want you to shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. And that comes from the idea that when they would return from over from another country, they come back home to the land of Israel, they would literally shake off the dust of the foreign land before they would enter the land. Kind of as a way to say that that doesn't belong here, this is holy ground. It's kind of a symbolic way to repent as we come into the house of the Lord. 
But I, I want to leave all that dust, all that dirt of the world behind me. And I, I want to step into your land pure. And to do that, to shake off the dust of your, of your feet against someone was to say, you're not a part of this. You're not a part of us. You're not a part of the people of God. If they reject you, shake off the dust of your feet. And here's what applies to us. See, we need to know people well enough to get stopped at some point with the gospel message. Do you know what I mean? See, do you know people well enough that you have gotten to the place where you've, you've tried to share the message of Jesus, you've tried to encourage them with the good news of Christ, you, you've tried to bless them in an eternal way, but at some point they've just said, no, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm done. If they reject you, he's saying move on and recognize they're not responsive. doesn't mean you quit praying for them. Some of you have family members in this zone doesn't mean you quit caring. It just means that you get to that point before you stop. Sometimes we've known people for years, we've never gotten to that point. They've never been able to tell us no. We've never gotten to the place where we've said, you know what, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you received the gift of salvation through faith and repentance? I want to help you. I want you to know that. And we've never gotten there. He's saying, listen, I want you to get to the place where they reject you before you give up. And so they go out, verse 12. So they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. They proclaimed the message of Jesus in verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so some of you may be saying, well, Steve, I've never seen anybody do that. Never seen anybody cast out a demon. I've never seen anybody anoint with oil. I've never seen anybody healed miraculously like that. Understand, here's what Jesus is saying and what Mark is saying, is Jesus gave them the pow- his power, and as evidence of that, they had this ability to do things that we don't really have that ability anymore. That was to show that Jesus' power had transferred to the disciples for that time. There were what were called sign gifts. In our day, that Jesus, Jesus did that to prove who he was. In our days, people do still get healed, I believe, through prayer. And I do believe we need to stand against evil, and at times we need to stand against demonic oppression. But that's not going to be your everyday experience for most of you. Your everyday experience is, I want to share with people the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of Jesus Christ and see him do miraculous things spiritually. And that's what happened for the disciples. I want you to go out. I want you to proclaim this message of repentance. So what about us? You say, Steve, well, that's cool for the 12. What about us? Well, Jesus, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says this, as he's about to ascend, he says, go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? You're on your own. No. I am with you. I'm going to send with you my power, and you're going to be dependent upon me. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to be my witnesses through my power. See, those verses are for you and I. I'm sending you out in that same way. So I want to ask you today, Are you empowered? 
Are you empowered? You say, Steve, I'm not really sure. How do I get there? Let me just give you a couple things. Number one, do you believe the message of Jesus as you receive the gift of salvation? You live in a repentant life. Do you believe that we're a part of a kingdom that Jesus is advancing throughout the whole world and that you get to be a part of that? You see, belief connects to power. Do you believe that? You're living in that way. We can get off of that. We can kind of fall off into unbelief and think that God's not winning and that his kingdom isn't advancing and we kind of get lost and we really don't know what to do. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Get empowered. There may be a sin in your life. You say, you know what? I, I, I can't repent of this sin. When we refuse to repent, we disconnect from his power. It's the most common thing we struggle with in the church today. When there's no power, the question is, is there belief? Is there belief in repentance? A few minutes, we're going to take a few minutes to do that. God, I want to be empowered. I want to repent. I, I believe. Secondly, are you dependent? Are you dependent upon Jesus? Just as I got in that plane, I'm dependent on that plane and that pilot to get me where I'm going. Am I stepping into the arms of Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you don't, if you don't make this happen, it's not going to work. Are you dependent? Some of you may be going through some things right now that's caused you to be more dependent than you've ever been. And you know what? We need to be thanking God for that. It's when we need him that we move into that dependent place and we move into that powerful place. But some of us are resistant to that, and we've got, all, we've got life figured out, and really our goal is to not need God. Listen, I want to encourage you. The best place you can be is dependent on Him. Are there some things you need to do? Maybe there's some things you need to do with your provisions. Maybe there's some things you need to do financially to say, Jesus, I, I, I'm not dependent on you financially. I'm not giving in a way that I should. Are you giving? Are you empowered? Are you dependent? Are you sent? Have you taken up that, 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 that calling of Jesus Christ to go? Who needs for you to bless them permanently? Who needs for you to talk to them to the place where they say, no, that's enough? Who needs for you to go in the power of Jesus, the dependency of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.